This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best, local booksellers. In June, Libro.fm is launching their Kids Club and YA Club, which will offer select audiobooks priced under $10 each month, as well as their Summer Listening Challenge. Each person to finish will get a free audiobook credit and the chance to win free audiobooks for a year if you complete the challenge extra credit. Listeners of all the books can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code BR3. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 212, and today we are talking about books being released on June 11th, 2019, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Kelly Jensen, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Hello again! Hello! I can't believe it's already been a month. I know. Um, This one felt really long. Like, the space between felt really long. Like, I actually read multiple extra books that are coming out this week, which was fun and exciting. Um, Usually I'm like struggling at the last minute to get a fourth book in. Uh, That was me this week. (laughs) We switched places. We switched, yeah. I was so confused because Rebecca and I recorded last week's show two weeks ago, so I didn't know what was going on. Like for several days, I thought it was Tuesday, like three days in a row, and then I thought it was Friday when it was, like, Wednesday, and I was so confused. And all of a sudden, I'm like, it's Thursday! I have to record today! So, but now we're all set! Um, We are. Before we get started, would you mind telling us about our first sponsor? You bet. Our first sponsor is Grand Central Publishing and Carrie Mora, the new novel from Thomas Harris. $25 million in cartel gold lies hidden beneath a mansion on the Miami Beach waterfront. Ruthless men have tracked it for years. Leading the pack is Hans Peter Schneider. Driven by unspeakable appetites, he makes a living fleshing out the violent fantasies of other richer men. Carrie Mora, caretaker of the house, has escaped from the violence in her native country. Beautiful, marked by war, Carrie catches the eye of Hans Peter as he closes in on the treasure. But Carrie Mora has surprising skills, and her will to survive has been tested before. Thanks to Grand Central Publishing and Carrie Mora for sponsoring all the books this week. So I'm going to ask you because I was talking about this with Kim a couple weeks ago because we were talking about this book and Thomas Harris. This is his sixth novel in 40 years. Um, And he was publishing novels back when authors used to actually get a lot of money for books, like before the internet. Um, And I was trying to think 
Which author has the largest fortune who has published the fewest number of books? Least number of books? Fewest number of books. I, I can't speak English. Hmm. Um, and I, my guess is E.L. James, because she's oh, only published yeah. four books. We had a lot of people who wrote in and said um, J.K. Rowling, but she's published like 14 or 15 books. Yeah. Well, what about... Um... I was gonna say Suzanne Collins, but she's done a lot too. Um, my other like instinct is Stephanie Meyer, but she's done five. Well, I mean, you know, that's that's not very many, so no. it's got to be one of them, I think. I just find it interesting. Like, there's no yeah. point to this at all. It just yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, because we were thinking about like some books, like where someone has published just like one book, like To Kill a Mockingbird, um, but. It's it doesn't I don't think she made as much just from that one book even though it's probably like the most famous book. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Something to think about. Yeah, um, I find it interesting to think about. Yeah. So. All right. So speaking of interesting books, I'm going <laughs> to tell you about my first pick today, which is a delight. It is Natalie Tan's book of luck and good fortune by Roselle Lim, and it is so delightful. It's about a woman named Natalie. She's 28. She's living in Montreal. Um, when she, well, she sort of, first she senses and then she gets word that her mother has passed away. Um, her mother is living in the Chinatown section of San Francisco, which is where Natalie grew up. Um, she hasn't talked to her for seven years, which is like a big deal. Um, and it, I'll explain why that is in a second. Um, she's, she grew up with her mother. Her father left them when she was young. Um, she and her mother were very close. And she taught her how to cook. Um, her mother's mother was a cook and owned a restaurant that actually was below the apartment where Natalie grew up. It was no longer open, but the restaurant was still there. Um, and she, Natalie loved food and she wanted to be a chef. And she wanted to go to culinary school. And that's where the problem comes in. Um, her mother did not want her to go to culinary school. She did not want her to have a restaurant. She said, you know, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be, you know, working in this kitchen day and night. Just absolutely miserable, making no money, feeding other people, not having a life, not having a family, not getting to see your family if you have one. Like, she did not want her to do it. And Natalie, that was her dream. So she saved up her money and went off to, to college. It has mixed results. It doesn't go very well for her. But she starts traveling the world and working in other kitchens. And she and her mother have been out of touch for like seven years. So her mother passes away. She returns to San Francisco. She's kind of disappointed in how the neighborhood looks. She feels like um, lower and middle class families are getting pushed out uh, of their neighborhood. Like everything is so expensive and more um, buildings like uh, apartment buildings and businesses are, are popping up. Uh, and she learns that she has inherited her grandmother's restaurant um, and she has plans for it. And she also talks to the neighborhood seer who reads the restaurant's fortune and tells Natalie that if she cooks three recipes from her grandmother's cookbook for her neighbors uh, in, who are, like, down on their luck, um, good things will happen. And so Natalie has, like, she's kind of conflicted about this because um, her mother was agoraphobic and Natalie always took care of her and she felt like she got no outside help from anyone else. She was just, like, this young girl and she was left to take care of this grown woman. And so she's she's kind of not thrilled with the idea of getting to know her neighbors many years later after um, she feels like they left her alone when she was just a child. Um, but, you know, she'll see what happens. So it's it, there's some magical realism. There's some recipes in the book. Um, there's a little romance, which is like, it's 
not even important, like romance, you know, there's always romance, but I like the the food, I like the descriptions, I liked the setting. It's a book about healing and forgiveness through food and love. It's a little bit like, like Water for Chocolate. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot heavier than I was expecting, um, right, like right off the bat. Like I was expecting like a light comedy just based on, this is just my own assumptions based on this like bright cover that looks like all these other fun books that I had recently read. Um, but it's very substantial and, and it's great. So it is called Natalie Tan's Book of Luck and Good Fortune by Roselle Lim. My first book uh, came out last week and I was like, I, I shouldn't be excited that you didn't talk about it last week, except I was because that meant I got to talk about it this <laughs> week. Um, and that's Searching for Sylvie Lee by Jane Kwok. Uh, it's set primarily in the Netherlands and it's an immigrant story about family secrets, and the ways that uh, we do and don't communicate with one another, uh, even if we share the same languages. Uh, and I say languages because in this particular book, the main characters speak more than one language fluently. So um, when Sylvie Lee, who is really beloved, goes missing following the death of her grandmother in the Netherlands, her younger sister Amy, who is more sheltered and meek, um, and, and less beloved in her own mind than Sylvie Lee is, um, flies overseas from New York uh, to help find Sylvie Lee. But what Amy ends up finding instead is this whole web of stories and deceit, starting with her aunt and her uncle and her cousin, who had been exceptionally close to Sylvie, uh, as well as this cello player who she meets, quote-unquote, accidentally. Um, it's a mystery, and Quack is really, really good at weaving in three separate voices. We have Sylvie's voice, which is told in the weeks prior to her disappearance. We have Amy's voice, which is told in the present. And then we have their mother's voice, which is also told in the present. She only appears a couple of times, but um, her mom's voice in the story might be the most important one uh, as it kind of weaves everything together. Um, throughout the book, Quack includes um, text exchanges and newspaper clippings and emails that really sort of propel the mystery forward. And I love that. I love books that sort of weave not just the narrative, but weave additional pieces into the narrative. Um, and I think it's especially effective in, in mystery stories like this one. Um, the writing is really precise and it's really vivid. And it's super compelling. Um, it reminded me a lot of my all-time favorite book, The Magician's Assistant by Ann Patchett, which is a super high compliment. So um, I highly, highly recommend this one. I read it back in February, maybe, and I'm still thinking about it today. And that is Searching for Sylvie Lee by Jean Kwok. So my next pick is really like a Shinsky wheelhouse pick. It really feels like she should be talking about this one. Um, and I bet if she hasn't read it, she probably will. It's Honestly, We Meant Well by Grant Jinder. He is the author of The People We Hate at the Wedding, uh, which came out last year, I think. And this is a dysfunctional family vacation novel. Um, <laughs> if you love dysfunctional family novels, this is a great one. Uh, it's about how things go terribly wrong for the right family. Sue Ellen Wright is a classics professor, and she's about to go to Greece to take a month-long uh, summer job as a guest lecturer. And she learns that her husband is having an affair, her husband Dean, and her son Will is sort of in crisis as he's finishing up college. He's uh, accused of plagiarism. So they join her in Greece. Now, is this a good idea? 
Like, do you want to take your troubles and move them to an entirely different country and hash them out? Um, that's, but that's what's going to happen. And it sort of um, it brings up old hurts and old secrets and, you know, also, um, you know, things about the past that bring them together. And it's like they're just going to, you know, figure it out in the beautiful settings and the lovely weather of Greece. And it's alternately funny and also sad. That's when I, I love those, like the ones that can make you laugh until you cry and then laugh because if you don't, you'll cry. Um, and that's one of these books. And I have to say, like, husband having an affair is definitely a storyline that we've heard 80 million times. But the <laughs> thing is that it happens all the time. It still happens all the time. So it's relevant. And... This book is really funny and enjoyable, so, you know, I recommend it. It's Honestly We Meant Well by Grant Jinder. My next pick is my quote-unquote light read Uh-oh. of the books I'm going to talk about. And uh, it, it is. It really is. Um, but I, I'm giving the heads up that the next picks are going to be darker, so to, so to enjoy this one now. Um, it's The Exact Opposite of OK by Laura Stephen. This book came out in the UK last year and is coming out in the US this year. And they had two very different covers. The US cover does the, the book total disservice. I'm going to say that um, flat out. Um, it's unfortunate because this book uh, is fabulous. It's a hilarious read about a girl who really loves sex and finds herself in the midst of the sex scandal at her school, which blows up into national coverage. So Izzy, the main character, is at a party, and she hooks up with two guys at this party. Two days later, uh, these photos, as well as nudes that she sent to one of the boys uh, before the party, they show up on a website that proclaim her a whore. But uh, she can't figure out who made the website and who would want to ruin this, like, teeny tiny sliver of hope that Izzy had found in her future as a screenwriter. Um, She's one of those students who's not a great student and doesn't have, like, a a college path ahead of her and also is not super concerned about it. Um, She's funny. She writes this blog. Like, the book is told through this blog that she writes and... um, As much as the book doesn't sound funny because it is about slut-shaming, it is about the sex scandal, it really is. Um, Izzy, the main character, has this great voice, and um, it's really reminiscent of an older, maybe more mature Georgia Nicholson, uh, for readers who are familiar with that series. Um, It's a very British sort of humor, but um, the author rewrote this one to make it set in the U.S. because there's some law differences uh, country to country when it comes to sex scandals like this. Um, but in addition to being about sex and and what happens when it's used as revenge, um, it's a book about friendship and what happens when um, a girl decides to stand up for herself and her sex life and her decision um, not to pursue a relationship that she doesn't want. Uh, it's super feminist, and I think it's the kind of book that readers who loved Moxie or the Nowhere, Nowhere Girls would want to add to their list, especially if they want to laugh along the way. Um, another little thing I loved, and maybe it's not a little thing, it's kind of a big thing, um, Izzy, the main character, is raised by her grand, grandmother, Betty, and um, as somebody who grew up being partially raised by my grandparents, I just I love that when I see that in a book, and... Um, Betty is just a great grandmother character. 
Um, and that is The Exact Opposite of Okay by Laura Steven. Okay, my next pick is Someone Who Will Love You in All Your Damaged Glory, stories by Raphael Bob Waksberg. And I just love the title. I would have bought it just for the title alone. That's a great title. Um, he, <laughs> he's apparently the creator. Not apparently. He is. I'm saying it like maybe. Um, he is the creator of BoJack Horseman, which mm. I know a lot of people loved. I myself have never seen it, although it has been recommended to me many times, and I've always meant to correct that. I still have not watched it. But I loved this book of stories, so I definitely will be checking it out now. Um, they're very darkly humorous stories. Um, there's a book about, it's just called, like, short stories, and it's, like, these single sentences that um, he just so beautifully captures, like, some of the silly, ridiculous things that people write in literary fiction. Uh, there's a misconnection one. There's one about, it's called, this, I think, The Serial Monogamous Guide to New York City, and, like, the different places that he can no longer visit because it reminds him of someone else. Um, there's one about wacky science. Uh, there's the I think my favorite one is called Lies We Told Each Other, A Partial List, which is just, like, a story told through these this list of things that they lied about. Um, there's, <laughs> there's one about having the different kinds of lunch meetings that you can have with the person who dumped you. Uh, there's one with funny explanations of the rules of the game Taboo. Uh, he just has, like, this really sharp eye. They're, like, witty satires and cultural criticism. Um, and they're really funny. And, again, like, you laugh because you... Otherwise, you'd cry because they're so true. Much like the last novel I discussed. And I, I really enjoyed it. I, I'm definitely going to check out BoJack Horseman. And I would love to read more from him. This is Someone Who Will Love You in All Your Damaged Glory. Stories by Raphael Bob Waksberg. And that brings us to our next sponsor, which is Bombas. Bombas is back. Uh, how often do you think about your socks? If you're like me, <laughs> not much. If you listen to the show, you know I do not like things on my feet. Um, but I have to say, I really enjoy Bombas. Um, if you listened to the show last year, you know that we got some socks and... They definitely changed the way I think about socks because they're so comfortable. Um, it has to, uh, part, For me, it has to do with, like, the style of socks that I got. They make these little ones that are, like, barely there. So if I have to put socks on my feet, that is what I want. And, like, I don't even notice that I'm wearing them. They're super, super soft. They don't slip around. They just, like, fit under my sneaker, and I put them on. Um, because you can't wear sneakers without socks for very long or else no one will live with you. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I really enjoyed them. And I was looking at their website earlier and they have like new tie-dyed ones, which are pretty cool. They make them in like five sizes, like from barely there to knee socks. And they have like women's, men's, children's socks. And they're just so, so comfortable. They're made from super soft natural cotton and every pair comes with arch support, a seamless toe, and a cushioned footbed. It's very comfy and not too thick. Um, and I mentioned they had the tie-dyed ones, but they have so many other different colors and patterns and styles. And they, you can wear them to the gym, at the office, out on the town, like whatever, you know, style socks you want. And the best thing of all is that for every Bombas purchase that you make, they donate a pair to someone in need. Um, they have, like, this running tally on the website, and it's up to, like, 21 million pairs, I believe, is the last thing I saw. So, that's pretty amazing. So, you can buy your Bombas at bombas.com slash all the books and get 20% off your first purchase. 
That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash all the books for 20% off. And again, it's bombas.com slash all the books. And we thank them for sponsoring. You did the, the riograms this year, right, Kelly? You came up with the, the prompts. Um, for this one, yeah. we actually, we split it up this year. Um, I know there's one that's like books and socks and, uh, yeah, um, I was like, oh, I put socks on my feet for you. <laughs> I did it. No, I didn't. I did not come up with that one. I don't believe, but I can't be quoted on saying I did or didn't. I can't remember. <laughs> well, it was only for a moment, but like, just like, you know, wearing Bomba socks. Like I did, I didn't mind, you know, that much, so. I I have to say that I'm with you. I'm not a socks person. Like I don't like socks. Um but I also don't like shoes unless they're sandals. So like yeah. I've got, you know, it's a whole thing. Yeah. I get it. I don't I like really things do. on my feet. Probably because yeah. I was raised by wolves. I don't know. <laughs> so would you tell us about your next pick, please? Yes, I would. Um it's Bunny by Mona Awad, and I'm going to start by saying that I can't say a whole lot about this book. Um, Like, what I can say about this book will tell a reader whether it's for them or not. Um, (laughs) It's it's very much like One Bloody Thing After Another and other Joey Camille writing uh, meets Heathers. Um, I saw a comp to The Vegetarian, which is a book I love, but I don't think I got the vibe uh, of The Vegetarian with Bunny. So... Bunny is a really dark and bloody and weird book and makes little sense, except that it makes perfect sense in how little sense it makes. So um, it's about this woman named Samantha who is at an all-female MFA workshop at a really prestigious school. Uh, She's a writer. She loathes the women in this group with her that she calls bunnies. They're uh, rich and perfect, and they're always writing about things like the body and deep literary themes, and they're complimenting and complimenting each other um, in as many ways as possible. I said complimenting twice is on purpose, spelled differently both times. Um, Samantha finds some refuge in Ava, who's this art school dropout, but... uh, Samantha gets this invitation to join the bunnies one night for their quote-unquote smut salon uh, that comes via this origami swan, and Samantha is so fascinated she has to go. Um, And that's when she sort of falls down the most bizarre Lewis Carroll-style rabbit hole, um, and I intend that that reference there. Um, It's a horror novel that's infused with this incredible dark humor, and it's a total evisceration of MFA programs and the sort of highbrow literary culture that can exist within them. Uh, whether you are yourself a reader or writer or know anything about the MFA world, um, the elite culture that this book sort of just takes down uh, will translate into whatever your area of expertise or interest is. And uh, Samantha's perspectives on top of those will probably resonate with anybody who's been like, what kind of world am I in right now? This is so strange. These people are not like me at all. Um, Don't go into this one expecting uh, anything or everything to make sense, but go in for a super good, bizarre time because that's what you're going to get. Um, I, I was reading it and I was like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I got to the end. I'm like, I still don't think I get it, but I love the entire ride because um, it's it's very strange. And that is Bunny by Mona Awad. It kind of sounds weird, but I love some books that I 
still don't understand. Yeah. Like Fever Dream, read it five times. Oh, yeah. Still don't get it. Yeah. Love it. Like, that's kind of fun sometimes. It is. It's like you kind of see, like, what the author was doing in terms of, like, creating this this strange, surreal, like, work of art. I've also read Fever Dream, so I know what you're talking about with that one. Um, and it's like... I, I don't think I got it, and maybe the point is not to get it, but instead to, like, enjoy the ride. Yeah. All right. My last pick, I, ha- I have to admit, I have not finished it, um, but I have a good feeling about it. Uh, I'm saving some of my other picks for the newsletter, which I don't think I've said this in a very long time, so I want to remind you that if you go to the show notes, you can find a link to our new books newsletter in which I talk about more books out this week. Um, and you get it in your inbox every week. Uh, so this book is called Slime, How Algae Created Us, mm. Plague Us, and Just Might Save Us by Ruth Kassinger. Um, it's a really deliciously nerdy science microhistory about algae, which, uh, like, last week I talked about truffles, this week algae. Like, these are things I've never thought about until I got these books, and I'm so excited that I did. Uh, so I'm not quite halfway through it. Uh, so I copped a little bit from the publisher's notes about some of the facts, but basically, which I did not realize, algae is billions of years old, like older than anything. There are as many algae as stars in the universe, and they play an important role in history. Basically, algae created the earth. Like we owe algae our lives, literally. It oxygenated the air, it made the plants, it makes up the deposits on the ocean floor, um, it put the planet in a deep freeze for a while. It's, like, it's everywhere. It does everything. I, I did not ever think about this before. Um, seaweed is algae. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. You find it in shampoo and beer and toothpaste and all kinds of things. And she talks about different kinds of algae, different places that you find them. Um, and she's gonna, I have not read much of this, but she talks about algae, sustain, like, the sustainable future of algae. Um, how uh, there are seaweed farmers, how seaweed can be used in more things. Um, It can be used for fuel and plastics if we just accept it. And also how it can be used in cleanups. There are currently over 400 dead zones in oceans around the world, which means that, like, there's no oxygen there. There's nothing living there. And algae might be able to fix these spots. Um, It's really fascinating. And... I just, yeah, I, I mean, it's not too gross. I, I mean, if you stop and think about, you know, algae and stuff like that, it's it's not, it's kind of slimy, but it's not scary in any way. Um, not like reading a book about bugs or something. <laughs> you know, when I read that, there, you know, that there's as many algae as stars in the universe, I think about, like, there's, like, a pound of insects on the planet for, like, every human or something, and that upsets me. You know, not so much algae. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Um, so again, this is called Slime, How Algae Created Us, Plague Us, and Just Might Save Us by Ruth Kassinger. That sounds awesome. Like, I just put it on my TBR when you were talking about it. Awesome. That's like the kind of science book that I just, I nerd out over. I love that stuff. Awesome. Um, my last pick is The Grief Keeper by Alexandra Villasante. And it's about a teen girl and her young sister who are seeking asylum uh, in the U.S. from El Salvador, where their lives are at this really great risk for a number of reasons. Um, I can't really say why that will come clear um, in the story. When they make it across the border, they're held in a detention facility, 
And Marisol, she's the teen girl, um, her interview for this asylum seeking goes less well than she suspects. And she's starting to worry that she and her sister are going to have their requests denied. Um, and so she is desperate to figure out something. And in her desperation, she decides she's going to use a break in uh, attention from one of the guards at the facility to run with her sister. Um, and so they flee. And not too far from the facility, they are picked up by what seems like a nice woman who offers to help them get to New York. Um, she and her sister want to get to New York because a woman um, who's a friend of the family lives there and was offering to help them um, get out of El Salvador and start their lives over here. Um, however, the woman is not a nice woman and instead... Um, She's somebody who works for the government, and she is on the lookout for a human test subject for a procedure that uh, she's working on. The procedure will remove the traumas from somebody who is suffering from PTSD and other deeply traumatic-related um, mental challenges, and those traumas will then be given to an otherwise healthy person so that they're offloaded from one person and... Um, reloaded onto another. Um, the the trauma will not necessarily be experienced by the person who gets it. Like, they aren't going to live through the thing that caused the trauma. They're just going to take the feeling itself. Um, Marisol, she, um, she's so desperate that she agrees to be a participant because the woman offers her uh, asylum for this like she has a connection she'll she'll make it happen so marisol's like okay i'll do this experiment and i'll get freedom for myself and my sister um there is so much this is a little book it's not that long uh i think it's under 300 pages and uh there's so much in here it, it digs into love and family and immigration and race but the thing that like really really struck me in this book was how it digs into our understanding of grief. So uh, Ray is a white girl who's struggling with grief, and she is the person who um, gives her grief to Marisol. And um, it, it sort of looks at what grief does and doesn't do. And then there's this whole thread about the assumption that... Um, because she's part of a wealthy family, as well as connected to the government and to scientists, that she doesn't have to feel this grief. She doesn't have to have these ugly emotions. Instead, they could just be transferred to somebody else. Um, it could be poured into somebody who is, quote-unquote, less worthy to make her feel better. Of course, the neighbor is mowing his lawn as I'm trying to make this last book um, <laughs> recommendation. So if you hear that, I, I'm well aware of what's going on. Um, this is a, a book with a queer romance that's really lovely and powerful. And the relationship between Marcel and her sister, Gabby, is just wonderful. Um, Marcel has this passion for language and for words and for learning new languages. And um, it's really, really fun to see her sort of learn these idioms in English and what they mean and don't mean. And it's really, really charming without ever being demeaning. Like, you know that she is this desperate asylum seeker, but at the same time, she's a teenage girl, and you get to see both sides of that. Um, it's it's a speculative fiction book, but uh, throughout the whole book, I was like, this doesn't seem like it's too far-fetched at all. Um, 
you'll find out what happens in the scientific experiment as well as what happens with Marcel and Gabi um, at the end of, of this experiment. And that is The Grief Keeper by Alexandra Villasante. All right. Those are our new books. What are you going to read next? I just started Somewhere Only We Know by Maureen Gu. Um, I have been waiting for my library to get it in for forever, and it just showed up. So that is that is my pick. I am torn. I got two books yesterday, and I cannot decide which one I want to read first. <laughs> one is called Ghosts of Berlin by Rudolf Herzog, and it's short stories about ghosts. And the publicist told me that after she read it, she had to sleep with the lights on in her apartment. So I was like, okay, sold. This is what I'm going to read next. And then I got a copy of The Truants by Kate Weinberg. And it says it's a literary suspense perfect for lovers of Agatha Christie and The Secret History. Which is like, if you added cannibals and cats, that's that's everything that I love, (laughs) like, right there. So now I'm like, I don't know what to read next. I'm going to have to do that thing where I point. I close my eyes and point because Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really torn between the two. But I'm excited for them both. So, that is it for today. Thank you to our sponsors, Libro.fm. Go to Libro.fm and enter the code BR3 to get three months of audiobooks for the price of one month. Uh, Thank you to Grand Central Publishing. Carrie Mora by Thomas Harris is available now wherever books are sold. And thank you to Bombas. Go to bombas.com slash all the books to get 20% off your first order. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at all the books at bookriot.com. You can find Kelly on Twitter at Veronica Kelly Mars. That's V E R O N I K E L L Y M A R S. I mostly hang out on Instagram now at Friends and Comes Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, or more books in general, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, happy reading. Bye. Bye.